It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Make no mistake, I have won everywhere I've been. From Maccabi, through Benetton, through the Russian national team, and back through Maccabi. And I plan on doing the same here, and hope to have all of your help. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. The voice you just heard is that of the new hire of the Cleveland Cavaliers, David Blatt. Let me give you a little information on David Blatt. Uh, David played point guard at Princeton from 1977 to 81. He played in Europe in 1981, won a bronze medal at the 2012 and, you know, the, the question is whether David Black can be that new hire of the Cleveland Cavaliers that would force NBA free agents to come to the Cavaliers. Once again, the Cavaliers for the second year in a row have the first overall pick in the NBA draft, which takes place tonight on this four-letter network. Uh, we're going to see if we can get uh, my counterpart, the other part of Ebony and Ivory in here, Mario Vitanzi. See if we can get him on the line. Uh, we have Bo Estes from NBA TV. We're happy to be joined by Bo. Bo knows the NBA inside and out. Uh, Bo, thanks for joining the program. My pleasure. It's good to be here, Nick. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Now, now, right away, I wanted to jump into NBA draft, but... Let's talk about the top stories in the NBA. Of course, we got to talk about Carmelo Anthony opting out of his contract with the New York Knicks. And more importantly, you know, for my dear heart, uh, I'm a Heat fan. I grew up in Miami and there's a lot of Heat fans and a lot of our listeners in Miami. LeBron James decided to opt out out of his contract. Let's start with LeBron James first. Now, when I looked at this on the surface, I didn't kind of run for the exit as most fans decided to do. I looked at this as LeBron James trying to force Pat Riley and the Miami Heat to reevaluate their overall thinking about this team. But more importantly, you can answer this. I think it's a move to position Pat Riley to think about who's going to coach this team because Eric Sposer doesn't look like he's a coach of this team, even though he's won two NBA titles. Tell me what your thoughts are. Well, first of all, I think if you're a Miami Heat fan, and you want them to win championships going forward. I think this is the move that you would actually want to see, even though, like you said, it's a bit scary for Heat fans because now LeBron has the choice to do whatever in the world he wants to do. Uh, but you need to see sort of salaries restructured. And as everybody knows, the big three met up yesterday for lunch and they had a conversation, uh, you know, a conversation much like those that they had leading up to the formation of the big three. And what I think is that if Miami is going to be successful going forward, they need to sort of restructure salaries and they need to bring more talent in there. Obviously they have the components necessary to get out of the Eastern conference going forward. But what happened to them in the NBA finals wasn't a matter of luck. It was, it, it was the better team really did win that series. And you could also argue that there's more out West that could really give Miami all they wanted. Uh, think of Oklahoma City, even the Los Angeles Clippers, perhaps. So I think for Miami going forward, they need to add parts. 
They need to add youth. Dwayne Wade cannot play 82 games. The playoffs are tough for him because it's an extra two months on those knees. He played well in spurts. He had particular games that were very good. But Miami needs help in a big way. And one of the things that they're going to look at is point guard. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to get Kyle Lowry. I don't think they'll be able to restructure it that way uh, as far as salary goes. But they need help at point guard. Now, when you talk about, you know, the, the fact that Miami Heat did not perform well uh, in the NBA playoffs, and no, they didn't, they, they only have currently, you know, three people on their roster, uh, Norris Coles and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, especially if these two players choose not to opt out of the contract. I believe they have up until midnight Monday to make that decision. Now, looking at the NBA draft, you know, what about Shabash Napier? You know, I've, I've heard some conversation that, they could look to take a, a guy of his, his talent. We know that he's very talented. We watched him in, in you know, the championship game last year, or this, this year, excuse me, against Kentucky. Could he possibly be a player that can fall to the Miami Heat in a much-needed position? Well, they, they, they wouldn't get him where they're slotted in the draft. I don't think Napier's stock has gone up. But I think they could make some moves to get him. Uh, one thing you know, and obviously I think everybody has an idea of this, LeBron, after watching Napier play, said he's the guy you'd have to pick first as far as point guards go in the draft. So LeBron likes him as a player. Napier has things that Mario Chalmers does not. He is quicker than Chalmers. He can get off his own shot. He's got a great jump shot. He's a smaller guy, but he can make up for that with some of their perimeter size. So I think he is a good fit for Miami. Also, uh, as far as Miami goes, they don't need a guy to handle the ball that much as a point guard. So the workload would not be that overwhelming. They could they could give him the ball and he could bring it up some. He can make open shots, uh, but LeBron can handle the ball a lot too. So I think he is a guy that works for them. Uh, he may not be the best solution, but he's a very good solution. It's just tough to depend on a rookie to get you to an NBA championship. Right now, one of the other biggest questions is, you know, we talked about it earlier, Melo opting out, LeBron opting out. And there's some optimism by some Chicago Bulls fans that are thinking, like, could these three guys, these two guys, rather, team up with the Derrick Rose in Chicago to form another big three? Well, I think, I think that would be tough to get them all to go there. Uh, I think that Carmelo and uh, LeBron James have expressed a desire in the past to play together. I think that that's pretty obvious. Uh, what Chicago has right now with Derrick Rose we don't know. I mean, it's two knee injuries. I've heard reports and I've talked to people who said he looks great right now. I mean, absolutely like the old D. Rose. So if that's the case, that's encouraging. But Chicago would have to move heaven and earth as far as salaries go to make that sort of happen. Uh, and the, the other question, the real question is, does LeBron want to play in the shadow of MJ? Because everything you do in Chicago is going to be measured against MJ, and no matter who you are, no matter what you do, it's probably not going to measure up because of the insane standard that Michael Jordan set. So uh, I think there are places that those two guys could land together. I don't know that I would rank Chicago as the first place I could see them landing together. Now, if you just joined the program, we're talking to Bo Estes, right for NBA.com, and you can see him on NBA uh, TV. Now, when you look at Carmelo Anthony, you talked about moving heaven and earth. Phil Jackson and Derek Fisher came in and made their presence known right away. They, they traded Tyson Chandler back to the Mavs 
and got a, some, some picks for tonight's draft and picked up a couple of young guys. Do you think this move will be enough to make a Carmelo Anthony decide, hey, listen, I want to go back to New York because they're making moves that could potentially put me in a championship position. I don't think that moves enough alone, but I do think the Knicks won that trade. I really believe that. What did the Knicks lack last year? They lacked outside shooting. And bringing in Jose Calderon, he's one of the highest percentage three-point shooters in the league year in, year out. He's better than Raymond Felton, no doubt about it. So you got the point guard handled. you got outside shooting handled because people are going to double-team Carmelo Anthony. You're going to have a spot-up guy open. And Samuel Dallenbear can do a lot of similar things to Tyson Chandler. I'm not saying he's as good, but he can do a lot of very good things that can help out. So I think it's a good move for the Knicks in their pursuit of keeping Carmelo Anthony. But I think they can sell him on other stuff as well. Think about Derek Fisher. This is a guy who played with Kobe Bryant. This is a guy who played with Kevin Durant. He knows what ISO scorers want and need to flourish. He he knows in a way that most people do not know. So I think he can sell... I think he can sell Carmelo Anthony on that concept as well. So Carmelo can be successful as an individual and as a team with Phil Jackson there. Now, you know, no Joe, Joel Embiid, uh, you know, he injured his foot. He just had surgery uh, this past week. Now, you're the Cleveland Cavaliers. First pick in the NBA draft. Andre Wiggins, I mean, Anthony Wiggins. I mean, Andre Wiggins, Andrew, excuse me. Andrew Wiggins. Or Jabari. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, yeah. excuse me. Well, the or his Parker. name is. Say again, Mario? I said, whatever his name is, he needs to go first. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know, Bobo. What do, what do you think? Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker. Uh, Andrew Wiggins' game, um, he's more of a defensive guy. Uh, Parker is more of an offensive threat consistently. If you are the Cavs and you already have offense on your team and you don't have enough guys that can play effective defense in the NBA, you know, put your hat on. You're the GM. Of the, of the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do you do, Bo Essies, with this pick? Well, it's tough because I think Jabari Parker gives you a better year one in the NBA. I think he's more polished, he's more ready than Andrew Wiggins is today. But down the road, I think Andrew Wiggins is the better player. He has just an absolute unique athleticism that, you know, maybe we don't see in the NBA besides Gerald Green. He's that sort of an athlete, almost Usain Bolt packed into an NBA player. So I think he can give you some stuff. And one thing you got to know about Andrew Wiggins is throughout the course of his season at Kansas, he became a much better jump shooter. That was the knock on him. The other knock now is his ball handling. If he can improve that, he's clearly got a shot to be better than Jabari Parker. But say you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you won the lottery, I think you go Jabari Parker because you can win maybe right away better with Jabari Parker in year one. Uh, but Cleveland's building, and I think Andrew Wiggins is the choice after Joel Embiid got injured, because if, if Embiid was fine, he was going to be number one in all likelihood. Well, you know, that that's very interesting, and I know you're down in that uh, Atlanta area, so I'll go ahead and ask you about the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, here's a team that no one uh, saw coming with that eight seed in the Eastern Conference, and they surprised a lot of people, me included. What do you see happening with this franchise moving forward? Well, they've got some interesting choices to make. Uh, a, a problem for the Hawks forever has been that Al Horford's playing out of position. He's he's a great four uh, playing a five. And so Al Horford makes the All-Star game playing center when he should be a four. If they could get a big center, 
I think that would be great, but you're not going to get anything of great quality right away at that position in the draft. There are a couple people that I think they could get that could help out right away. Um, T.J. Warren, a guy out of NC State who's a unique scorer. You don't see a guy with his skill set come along very often. He doesn't play basketball in a way that you see every day. Uh, he could help the Hawks quickly, I believe, because he's got great size, so he's going to be able to get shots off. Another guy is P.J. Harrison. P.J. Harrison is an absolute knockdown shooter, as good a shooter as you'll see in this draft. He's right there with Doug McDermott and Nick Stauskas. But P.J. Harrison is a jump shooter with size who can get shots off. So I think he could help Atlanta right away as well. And Atlanta, frankly, is starting to ramp up and starting to get to that let's-win-now mode. So I think they have to look in that direction. So you're saying they need to get someone basically from the state of North Carolina. <laughs> if you don't pick from North Carolina, you're not going to be successful. No, <laughs> you go. Those two guys are pretty special. So, I think they can really of, help out in a quick way. You got right on. Speaking of players that can help right away, the Kevin Love sweepstakes should be in full effect tonight. You know, and, and I'm from Denver, and we like to live in this fantasy land where free agents might actually want to come here. And even though Kevin Love has made it clear that he wouldn't sign for an extended period of time in Denver because it's just not the market for him, they did make a trade where they brought Aaron Aflalo back, who spent three years here in Denver, sent away Evan Fournier in the 55th, 54th pick for tonight. Now they're trying to move some stuff around and make this offer for Kevin Love more enticing. Again, I live in a fantasy land. I'm convinced that the Nuggets are going to sign Kevin Love, even though it's clearly not going to happen. But from your perspective, where do you see Kevin Love going and where can he do the most damage? I mean, can he just really go anywhere and be a superstar? Or does he call up Carmelo? Does he call up LeBron and say, hey, let's bring our talents to X, Y, and Z and let's get it done there? Well, you know, that's always a possibility, but I do think LeBron has some loyalty to the current big three, so that's a consideration at least. For Kevin Love, I mean, this is a guy who I thought a week ago was going to certainly be in Golden State. I thought that that was the trade that was going to line up and work out. The challenge with Love, and if you're a general manager, you really have to get a solid answer on this, is will you resign? Will you stay with us? Because you saw, even if you look at the Los Angeles Lakers with Dwight Howard, was it really worth bringing him in for one year? The answer there is certainly not. And if you can't get Kevin Love long-term, is it worth it? Look, he's one of the four or five guys every year that averages at least 20 points a game and at least 10 rebounds a game. That's a very exclusive club, and that's an impactful player. But I just don't know that you can take a risk on him being there for one year. If you're Denver and you say, we're only going to get him for one year, then basically what you're saying is, we're going for the championship now. And if you think they're ready for the championship now, beating Oklahoma City, beating San Antonio, beating the L.A. Clippers, well, then maybe you make the move. But that's, that's something I don't necessarily believe. Hey, if that's the Broncos' strategy here in Denver, <laughs> then the Nuggets are just trying to adapt that. They want to win right now. Bring Kevin Love for a season, just like they did with Iguodala. Not a great example, but you get what I'm saying. Well, yeah, maybe they could get Peyton Manning to play for the Nuggets in the offseason as well. That might work, too. But I, I, I just think it's a challenge for Denver. I mean, what are you really expecting if you bring Kevin Love in with no assurances? Do you, if you really thought you could win a title for one year, then to me it's worth everything if you get that title. But if you don't, if you think this is a building operation, uh, then I, I, I can't see a team taking that risk without an assurance that he's going to sign long term. 
Well, Bo, before we let you get out here, we got about uh, 15 seconds. Uh, do you see any possible surprises in tonight's draft? Because whether it's NFL or Major League Baseball, there's always some kind of late uh, move and uh, a surprise that no one anticipated. Do you figure that that would happen in tonight's uh, NBA draft? Well, I sort of, well, yeah, there's always going to be something. But the one thing everybody's been looking at is, will Cleveland make a move and not take that number one pick? Their hearts seem to be set on Joel Embiid, but you can't pick him at number one now. Could they move down and trade with Philly, get a couple picks, and get the Embiid they want and get the 10th pick? That's the only thing I'll be watching closely. And you mentioned Aaron Apollo. He was the other trade partner that uh, Cleveland was looking at. Would they trade with Orlando, get 4-12 and and Apollo? But I think that's something to watch closely for if Cleveland makes a move. Well, there it is. You heard it from the best in the business. Bo Estes of NBA TV, and he writes for NBA.com. You can find him at, follow him on Twitter, at NBA Bo, Bo, thank you. We will have our eyes glued to the television tonight to see what our favorite teams decide to do. Thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know, I I have to mention this, uh, unless you've been sleeping on the rock somewhere, uh, it's the World Cup, 2014 FIBA World Cup. The what? Yeah, that's right. See, my, my counterpart, <laughs> Mario, he does not partake in watching soccer, or, or as it's called, 
football. We call it. Football. Okay, well let's let's let me ask you this, Nick. What yeah. is more American? Pretending to care about soccer once every four years or staying true to your roots and not pretending to care about soccer once every four years. I still love America. Okay, <laughs> there is no place else I would rather be. But I'm not going to be like one of these people who, you know, every four years, the World Cup comes up and it's like, oh, now all of a sudden I'm a huge soccer fan and I know every player and I know every rule. It's like, <laughs> shut up. The only reason people really start starting to watch it here in America, Nick, is because of the FIFA video game. And I can say that because people have told me that. They blow up my Twitter. They're like, hey, I don't really like it because of the video game or they call into my show on Mile High Sports. Hey, you know, it's, it's actually exciting if you play the game and you actually start to get it. Nick, if there's a game where there's a zero zero time, we've had a couple of them so far in the World Cup, right. and you watch that game in its entirety, you just watched a whole handful of grown men do cardio for 90 minutes. How does that feel? <laughs> wait, wait, wait let, me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down another way because there's always a secondary perspective. I'm going to give you mine. Oh, yes, like you like that plug? Yes, there it is. Like that. But, but you just talked about the fever of soccer game, right? Yes, it's gotten a lot of people enthused about soccer, and yes, over in Europe, it's it's a big deal. Here in the States, it's starting to catch on, and it's not that much big of a deal as, the, like I said, in, in the European countries. But here, here's the thing that you need to take a look at. You play the game, people get involved, they know that the names of the guys, they start to follow the teams, and like you said, every four years, Soccer comes around, this thing called FIFA World Cup, and it's this kind of phenomenon that spreads across the country. You know what? It is the most watched game or sport ever over the Super Bowl. I think that's the only sport that trumps Super Bowl. But here's the point. I myself, you know, everyone who knows me knows that I'm not an avid soccer fan, but every four years I watch the World Cup, because when you look at it, it's like watching the Olympics. You say there's nothing more American than the sports that we have here. There's nothing more American than watching your country go out and take to the field against other countries. There's nothing more fun. I mean, and I can tell you this. Last week, when U.S. was playing Portugal, and they scored the goal, Dempsey kicks the goal in after being down, I don't think I've ever screamed that loud for a sporting event. My wife is like, are you kidding me? That you, you're telling me that you <laughs> are getting more excited about soccer than if you watch a, a, a playoff football game or the Super Bowl. Well, I'm, I'm not, what, what I'm saying is I watched a soccer match or a football match between Portugal and the U.S. that would, they were down and to see your countrymen come back from behind to put two goals in, it was phenomenal. I jumped up yelling and screaming. My wife was like, what happened to the kids? I was like, nothing happened to the kids. It was the World <laughs> Cup. I'm like, can you believe it? I was so excited. And to me, that's when things kind of changed you know, for me. Right now, I'm watching the U.S. and Germany, a game that we definitely need to win. And Germany is up. For those who are not watching, they're driving or sitting in their cubicle. Germany is up 1-0 on the USA. And this is a game that we need to watch. And also, I'm trying to pay attention to the Ghana and Portugal game itself. Portugal is up uh, on Ghana as well. But this is a game that we need to win. Before the, the match, we didn't know if we were going to play. There were not nine hours of rain. And, and you know, 
as a guy who's a chiropractor as well, how range, soft tissue injuries play a part. But right now, we need to handle our business. Uh, update here, Portugal and Ghana are both tied 1-1. Uh, let's jump back for a second back into... Well, hey, sorry, one, one last... Sorry, one last thing, Nick, before we segue here. Look, I, I want to root for my countrymen, of right. course, but I'm looking at some of these names. You can't tell me that all these guys were born in the USA or that they're completely American. I mean, Josie Altadori, Alejandro Bedoya. I mean, <laughs> look, this is Omar Gonzalez. Are you kidding me? These are supposed to be American names? I don't buy it. I guess that's the, the issue I have. We're, we're all of these, I don't know how it works. We're all these guys born in the states or like Mario. if you live there a certain amount of time are you allowed to play there well you know i don't understand your issue and, and see once again we're talking about the greatest country in the world and that's the one thing that makes us great of course we, we we welcome in all all are welcome to our country yes are there some german born individuals on our u.s soccer team absolutely are there some some guys with of spanish descent Absolutely, but that's the one thing that makes our country great. That's the one thing that makes watching the FIBA World Cup great as well. Mario, I think you need to you know, scrap the old Mario and get involved. <laughs> you need to get involved. You know, right our, our, our roles are a little reversed. It's funny because the white guy doesn't care about soccer and the black guy is telling the white guy that he needs to care about soccer. <laughs> well, you know what? They don't call us Ebony and Ivory for nothing. Yeah, but nobody knows who's who because we don't, we don't stick to social norms, Nick. We break down the the roles of black and white and what is accepted and what is not. And we challenge your mind and we give you secondary right. and tertiary perspectives. That's, that's what we do. Let's jump back into the NBA draft that takes place tonight on the Four Letter Net- Network. We were talking about Bo Estes before we went to break. And we were talking about Joel Embiid. And that navicular bone. Uh, could you go ahead and elaborate for the listeners a little more on what that injury could potentially do to him long term? So here's the deal with the navicular bone. Navicular bone is right in the middle of your foot. And in order to break a bone like that, and keep in mind, there are a lot of bones in your foot. A lot of, you know, smaller bones that make up your foot. Anytime that you have a dropped arch, you have a dropped navicular bone. Now, from a chiropractic standpoint, from a structural standpoint, I work at a chiropractic office on my on my days off. On so, his days so off. On his days, on days off. off. On his days off. On the days that I'm not entertaining these people listening to us right now, I am in an office as a healthcare professional. So the navicular bone if the navicular bone drops, that is when it has the potential to break. When you feel that you have that dropped arch and you can have surgery on it, you can put a cast on it, you can do whatever you want. As long as that navicular bone is dropped, these things are going to keep happening. I see Joel Embiid as another Nerlens Noel. Whoever gets him is going to be in the bucket because he's injury prone. He's not ready for the NBA and it's going to be a waste of a pick. So if Cleveland really has their heart set on him, Nick, and now they want to drop down to you know the fourth or fifth pick or whatever, so they're not taking him number one overall, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Why? Because they got Anthony Bennett last year, and what the hell did he do? Everybody, and I understand, last year was his rookie year. You can't really call someone a bust after one year, but this dude was out of shape. He wasn't contributing. And if you're the number one overall pick, in the NBA, you need to contribute right away. Bottom line is, he wasn't doing it. I mean, what he, he didn't start any games. He only played in like 52 games. He was averaging four points a game. That's 
exactly what you're going to get out of Joel Embiid if you even get him on the court. He'll be injured for the entirety of his career. This is a very bizarre injury. That's what people are not saying. I mean, I mean uh, to say that, to make the statement that he would be injured for his throughout his entire career, isn't that a little bit premature? Because we do know when you play any sport, any kind of contact sport, and, and especially basketball on the hardwood, there's angles that you come down on, you fall hard on, on the hardwood. I mean, injuries are part of sports. To, to, to just you're, say right now right, that he's right, injury prone and that he's going to be that way throughout his career, I, I think, you know, to me that, once again, that, that's not something that we should, we should actually talk about or go into with this young man because he has a lot of upside, a lot of potential. When you look at what he's doing or what he did on the hardwood, I mean, you look at maybe – uh, Keem Olajuwon, and maybe that's jumping out too far to compare him to of that magnitude, but if you break his game down and you watch how he plays in a low post, he would give you small glimpses of Akeem Olajuwon. So to me, I don't want to go with the injury. I mean, it's a, it's a freak injury. It happened at the wrong time, maybe dropped his draft status, but I still think that he would make any team that decides to pick him up, they would be happy to have a guy like this on their team. Well, here's, and here's the difference, Nick, and obviously I, I hope nothing but the best for this young man from everything I can tell. You know, he's, he's a stand-up kid, never really been in trouble. I want to root for him. I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm trying to give you the secondary perspective, if you will. And the issue with an injury like this, if you're a football player, you're a baseball player, you know, typical size, let's say you are between six foot and six, two or six, three, mm-hmm. you know, 210 to 235 pounds. Let's just put you as a typical athlete in there. If you are that size, it's easier to recover. Joel Embiid is seven feet tall, 250 pounds. Now, 250 pounds for a seven footer. That's not really that much. I know it sounds like a lot because it's 250 pounds, but when it's (laughs) spread across seven feet of human being, that's very tall. So when you're already having problems like this, and how old is he? He's 20 years old. This kid can't even go into a bar right now. That's how young he is. He's already having these kind of foot injuries. It's it's way too eerily similar to Greg Oden. Now, obviously, I don't want to compare the two because Greg Oden had the knees of a 50-year-old man. But this is what I'm scared to see. You can't have an injury like this when you're 20 years old. And the fact that he broke it means that the navicular bone had been dropped for a very long time. So I don't know what kind of healthcare professionals have been getting their hands on him and, you know, trying to get him to stay healthy. But this is a very easy fix. And it's something that I see all the time. It takes five seconds to fix, Nick. So clearly the people that are in his realm, they're overlooking it. Something like this cannot happen, and it's a snowball effect. A little injury like this sticks around with you for the rest of your life. It's so hard to recover when you have seven feet of human being. Well, I mean, when you're talking about the fact of uh, the injury, the navicular bone, that's what we're discussing right now with Joel Embiid, uh, let's talk about the treatment. What can he do from this standpoint, from, your, from a physician standpoint, to help with this injury moving forward. I know it's going to take some time. All injuries do take time, but what can he do for his preventative maintenance when he comes back? Uh, can they put an arch in his, uh, his, his shoe? What, what can he do from, from your expert opinion? So, so, he's, so he's already out 
four to six weeks. Right. You're not going to be able to touch it until that bone is fully healed. Now, what I've been saying that if vicular bone drops, you need to put it back into place. You need to get a chiropractor that knows what they're doing to put that bone back into place, that understands structurally about the body and bipedism. So as soon as that bone heals, he needs to find a good chiropractor that is able to literally put that bone back into place. And until that happens, he will never fully recover. He might get to 90%. He might get to 95%. But the risk for injury is so much greater until that problem is fixed. Well, so, so essentially what you're saying, find the best chiropractor out there, a la uh, Nelson Bertanzi and Omni Chiropractic. But, here, well, but here's the thing, Nick. <laughs> I, I understand you. Know, it sounds like a little bit of a plug, but it doesn't even need to be the best chiropractor. They need to understand how to do the treatment where you're just dropping the navicular, navicular bone back into place, and this is not going to be a problem. But now that it has been broken, it is going to be so much more difficult to do it than it had been, than it would have been beforehand. Right. Well, we'll see what, what happens. I wish the young man all the luck in the world. And, hey, there have been players that have been drafted in both Major League Baseball, NFL, and the NBA, that teams have taken under their wing and given them time to heal. And some of those guys turn out to be fantastic uh, players for those, uh, you know, in regards to those teams. But I'll talk to you real quickly with you being in Denver. Let's talk about those Denver Nuggets. When we look at both the first and second round, uh, this Ooh, team... They got, they got Aaron Aflalo back, baby. Championship, <laughs> here we come. They potentially have three picks between the first and second round. Do you see what maybe with these picks that they now become what they wanted to become over the past couple of years and maybe to the delight of Nuggets fans, a contender in the West? It's it's hard to say, Nick. I mean, you grow up as a Nuggets fan and they were so bad for so long. They get Carmelo Anthony. Then they had a stretch of like 10 ish years straight that they made the playoffs. I think it was like the second longest streak of making the playoffs next to San Antonio Spurs. And then, you know, George Carley wins the coach of the year. He gets the number three seed, but because they can't get out of the first round against the Golden State Warriors, he gets fired. And I, I, I have such an issue that and the knock on Carl was that he couldn't win in the playoffs. Well, I got news for you. As far as what I've seen, Shaw can't win in the regular season. So what the hell does it matter if you can't win in the playoffs if you're not even getting there? You at least need somebody that can lead your team to get to the playoffs. Now, they're going to have to buy into the same kind of structure as the San Antonio Spurs, where there's not a star. Everybody plays their part. But here's the thing. Kawhi Leonard turned into that star. He turned into that guy that you go to in the clutch, the guy that can score 20 25 to 30 points a game if he needs to be that guy. That's what the Denver Nuggets need, and they're hoping that they get it with Gallinari coming back. And if you want to talk about strange injuries, Nick, I will rant to you for days on end about how asinine that treatment was. It was this experimental thing where they put little microscopic holes in his torn ACL in the knee and hoping the blood would flow through. Now, it makes sense, and the surgery is fine, but if you're an athlete, and, and I put a little bit of blame on Gallinari and his camp. Why are you doing this experimental thing that's not proven if you're a professional athlete? So, yeah, he was upset. They brought him back a little bit too soon. But if he can come back and he can be that star, 
and you have Ty Lawson, you have Aaron Aflalo, you have pieces in place. Pieces in place. Hopefully, Kenneth Fareed can take up this momentum they had last year, where he was a top five power forward the second half of the season. You solidify with a decent center, and they can make some noise. Well, you but know it's what? Not going to happen. But it's not going to happen tonight in the draft. Bottom line. Well, I thought our real talk segment was uh, in our last segment, but apparently. Mario decided, <laughs> well, Mario decided to jump, jump the uh, and, and you know what? That tells you how passionate, not just he, he, he is about the craft itself, a sports broadcasting, but how passionate he is for his Denver-based team. And no team has been more disappointing in that Denver market you know, other than the Denver, uh, Denver Nuggets. So coming up after this break, we'll talk about some more We're talking about drive. law and real talk. Bank on it, baby. We'll talk about I that can't wait, and more in our real talk segment as we would try to keep Mario calm down. Maybe we need to call Roberta Ending and maybe uh. Uh, give him a little woosah and calm him down just a little bit. You'll listen to Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective on books, American Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. That can only mean one thing, real talk segment. I know in our second segment, Mario jumped the gun a little bit, but can you blame him? He's a diehard Denver sports scene fan, but Mario, of course, it is Thursday, it is real talk, and let's dig right into it. Brendan Flowers of the Kansas City Chiefs 
was released early in the week by his team. And guess who he signs with? He signs with the San Diego Chargers. A little redemption he's feeling as he's going to face his old team later on in the season, twice at that. Now, I can tell you, real talk, as a guy that once played for the New York Jets, after they decided not to sign me back and felt as though they could get two players, younger players, for the salary they were pay- paying me, lo and behold, we played them a year later in Denver where I had a little get back, like Jay Brown would say, payback. And I had just that. Nothing fires up a player more than facing an old coach, an old team, more. He wants to get a little get back. He wants to show them, you know what? You passed on me, and I'm going to show you exactly what you passed on. You know what that's like, Mario? That's like breaking up with a girl, and she goes out and cut her hair. She goes to the gym 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just so you can see her and tell you, look what you are missing out on. Real talk. <laughs> Real talk, man. I get what you're saying, Nick, but here's the difference between you were in the league, you were an underrated player. The thing with Flowers, he is an overrated player. Do you think if he deserved to be in the Pro Bowl that he would have gotten released? He doesn't fit their scheme. He sucked. He gave us seven touchdowns last year, Nick. And in a sport where there are 16 games and you give one up almost every other game and you're a Pro Bowl cornerback, give me a break. You know who Spotty should have had? Chris Harris. That's who belonged in the Pro Bowl. Home boy gave up one touchdown. That's right. I'm a homer. I'll say it. I don't care. Denver Broncos are better than everyone. They're going to go 16-0 win the Super Bowl, baby. Brandon Flowers, yeah, I get that he wanted to play for the Chargers, but he's not going to make that much of an impact. Why, Nick? Because he's not that good. Real talk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shots fired. Man down. Mario's going in yet again. Hey, Mario, I know you're going to love this next bit of real talk. Now, I I I was... As I was doing my research today, you know, like I always do, peruse the sites, I came across something that was really interesting, bizarre, and made me scratch my head. Uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, uh, defender had this to say. Donnell Dockett said on divorce, I don't blame OJ. And I, take, I, say, I say I need to take a real good look at this statement. Is he saying, because it sounds like it to me, that he's condoning, you know, I guess the allegations against OJ at the time. And to me, I know divorce can be a difficult time for a lot of people. First, you love each other under the eyes of God. The next thing you know, I won't have. You listen to a girlfriend who's telling you, take half of the stuff, girl. You've earned it. You've done your part. Hey, I don't understand that. And I definitely don't understand this comment made by Darnell Dockett. I don't, divorce? I don't blame OJ? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump your brakes, cowboy. This is not that type of show. Real talk, forget that. Real talk, man. Darnell Dockett is an idiot. And for (laughs) someone who's never really been in the press, never really rustled any feathers, what a terrible way to do it. Everybody in their mother, yeah, that's right, I said, and their mother, because my mother believes it too, they knew OJ was guilty, but he got off. So do you know how stupid 
and ignorant you sound when you come out and you basically defend a murderer? Are you kidding, Nick? That'd be like me coming out and saying that everything that happened at the Aurora Theaters all those years ago, that was justified, that those people deserved it. Give me a break, Daka. You are an absolute moron. You need to shut your mouth, let your career play out because you're towards the tail end anyway. He just wants to have one last glimmer of shout-out before people forget about him entirely. Real talk, shut your mouth, Darnell. <laughs> Real talk, Falcons wide receivers Julio Jones and Roddy White say they are set out to reclaim the top wide receiver spots in the NFL after watching the Denver Broncos go on that tyrant offensively. Can these two wide receivers reclaim the top spots at the wide receiver position? Real talk. Real talk, here's the deal. Uh, Julio Jones comes out and says he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Now, do I have a problem with that, Nick? No, because you're never going to be the best receiver in the NFL if you yourself don't believe it. What I have a problem with is coming out and saying it. If you're the best, you don't need to say you're the best. Hi, that's how that works. Has Calvin Johnson ever come out and said he's the best wide receiver? Has Peyton Manning ever come out and said he's the best quarterback? Has Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles ever come out and said they were the best running back? No. And do you know why? They don't have to. People say it for them. That's why I don't think Richard Sherman is the best corner in the game. He doesn't need to say that he's the best corner in the game. Patrick Peterson is the best corner in the game. Now, as far as the wide receiver duo, Roddy White is not that good. Roddy White is falling off. Julio Jones is going to have to find another buddy because Roddy White, when all the pressure was on him, he <coughs> choked. <laughs> Real talk, Chicago Bears have a better receiving duo than they do. Denver Broncos, better receiving trio, quadruple, whatever, than they do. There are four, five, six other teams that have better receiving duos than the Atlanta Falcons do. Maybe they should spend more time getting ready for the season, less time talking, people take it more seriously. Your team was 3-13. and 13. You got a lot of putting up or shutting up to do. Right now, shut up. Real talk. Real talk, the New York Jets added some, what could be considered by Jets fans, some Super Bowl caliber talent and Chris Johnson and Eric Decker. Now, Rex Ryan and the New York Jets faithful say they're going to take it easy on Chris Johnson, trying to lighten his load. Do you think, real talk, that this would be enough to help them win their AFC East division and beat the AFC division rival New England Patriots? Real talk. Real talk, absolutely not. The Patriots are pretty obviously the second best team in the AFC. They, and you got to give credit to the Jets, man. They, they went out there and they certainly did their thing. They did everything that they could to try and make themselves contenders. I still wouldn't put them above the Dolphins, Nick. They're right around 8-8. Eight and eight. They'll be lucky if they get 9-7. and seven. And the only way, and they're like the Cowboys of the AFC. The only way that they're going to make the playoffs this year is if they expand the playoffs. That's the only way. <laughs> they think that they're a better team than they really are. And you think there's a Tony Romo effect? Hi, I'd like you to meet Geno Smith. This team would have been fantastic in Madden in 2008. Chris Johnson, Michael Vick, give me a break, bro. Real talk, number three in the AFC. Well, real talk, keeping it real. Daniel Snyder of the Washington, oh, no, that team in Washington, because I will not use that word anymore, it has refused to change the name. The potato, the potato Redskins. <laughs> well, I'll let you call it that. I'll refer to it as the team in Washington. 
Dave Snyder refuses to change the name and still has the country in an uproar. I suggested that if anyone wanted to send a message to him, as it was sent to any big conglomerate where the only thing that matters to them is the big money grab, is to now go after the sponsor, put pressure on the sponsors to put pressure on that team and that business to change their practices. Can we see it happen? We've seen it with the Donald Sterling issue. We can still see it with the Daniel Snyder issue and that team in Washington do the same. I think he's a businessman, but thinking from a business perspective, he would view this as an opportunity to expand the, the team in Washington name brand by putting out more apparel because at the bottom line, they always tell you in the NFL, it's about business and we're in the business of making money. So potentially he has an opportunity to make more money and then make people happy and then change the name. Real talk. Real talk. There's so much about this that just doesn't make any sense to me, Nick. First off, Washington, D.C. is our capital, correct? That is that is the capital of our great nation. So doesn't it seem like the ultimate slap in the face to Native Americans to name the team out of the D.C. area, the Redskins? Are you kidding me? At least the Washington Nationals in the major leagues, at least they got it right. At least the Washington Wizards, well, you know, that, that doesn't really make any sense to me. But the Washington <laughs> Redskins, like, you're basically throwing it in their face that, okay, this is our capital. And, you know, this country, it, it wasn't even really ours. You know, we just kind of came in and we took it from y'all, okay? But, you know, we're, we're, we're going to give you a little bit of a tribute. No, we're not going to call ourselves the Washington Natives or the Washington Chiefs or the Washington whatever. We're going to call you the Washington Redskins. How would it be, nigga? There's a team called, you know, the, the Compton Blackskins. Are you kidding me with that? That crap would never fly. So what's the difference? You can't call someone a red skin. You can't call someone a white skin. It's not okay. And Dan Snyder wants to be so close-minded and be such a bigot about all this and a racist, offensive old fart, then at least look at it from a financial standpoint. You can get new colors. You can get new jerseys. You can get a new name. Do you realize how many people would buy new gear? If the Broncos traded all their stuff, and God, God help me, I hope they don't. I want them to be the Broncos forever. <laughs> I always wanted them to be orange and blue. But if they changed the name because it was offensive to horses, and they changed the colors because the color scheme just wasn't working anymore, I would go out and buy all new gear because you have to. That's how fans are, Nick. So how much do you think that you are going to make by changing the name? That, and people aren't going to think that you're a moron, just an old geezer who can't let go of the past. Dan Snyder, turn your brain on for five minutes, dude. Unfortunately, Nick, we live in a society where he grew up where it was okay. And because he's old and because racism was, a, as, was accepted in his time and in his era, people are just going to kind of turn a blind eye to it and be like, yeah, we can do as much as we can, but it's not going to change until the man is dead. And I will say this. I have a real problem with the Cleveland Indians, Nick, and here's why. They were never Indians. They were called Indians because Christopher Columbus, Columbus thought he was in India. So we called them Indians. Why we still call them Indians to this day drives me absolutely crazy. And it got to the point where they named well, I, after that, and now they're trying to get a $9 billion settlement because of the logo, because of the little featherhead chief. This is getting out of control. Everybody just take a deep breath. Stop being racist. What is so bad about naming a team after an animal? Real talk. Let I, it go. 
I, I don't know. And uh, two things before we get out of here. One, the NFL decided to lift its cap of $675 million in a concussion lawsuit, which will possibly pay dividends for long-term veterans or veterans who've been in the NFL long-term and the syndromes from concussions. We'll still have to wait to see how this one plays out. But as it stands right now, that is a sign or a move in the right direction. Real talk, I want to talk about Isaiah Austin, the player from uh, Baylor, who due to medical conditions, his NBA career and dreams are cut short before they even start. My heart goes out to him. I know what it was it meant for me and my family to have played in the NFL for 10 years, but before you get an opportunity to lace him up in the NBA, the doctor tells you that you are suffering from a Marfan syndrome, a large artery in your heart, and if you exert, overexert yourself, that you could drop dead on the court. Once again, my heart goes out to he and his family, a career cut short before it even starts. I would like to thank Bo Estes for joining the program. You can find him at, once again, NBA Estes. You can find him at Mar- Mile High Mario. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Sorry we couldn't get to Deion Branch today. We'll get him on the show next week. He will be joined by Dre Bly and linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles, D'Amico Ryan. So another fun what show ahead. a great show. Yes, what a great show. So you know what it be? Secondary perspective, real talk, always set the fire to everything because you never know what's going to happen. Because I wish I could set fire to Lala. (laughs) That's real talk. Got bit by the acting bug. Shut up. You know what? I mean, that's Mario. What what more can I say? I had to get that in, Nick. (laughs) I had to. Show's almost over, Lala. Just, Just go away. Go away, Lala. Let Melo do his thing. I don't care that you got bit by the acting bug. Shut up. Shut up. Bye, Felicia. All right. Go, USA. I believe that we will win. There it is. Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective, as always, on VoiceAmerica.com Sports. See you here next week. God. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.